well good morning Redeemer King and uh, it's my privilege to uh, open up the first bit of verse by verse teaching on Philippians our new series which will probably take us up to around Easter time and uh, if you haven't already listened to it we really do recommend that you listen to Steve's overview of the whole book of Philippians where he looks at Acts 16 and the context and the setting of how uh, Paul ended up in uh, the Roman colony of Philippi and how the gospel started to break out. It's quite a fascinating analysis of uh, really three different ways that people came to Christ uh, in that city and this fledgling church was born and of course Paul, the great apostle Paul, wrote a letter to the Philippians uh, from prison and uh, most commentators think it was a Roman prison, his, his time in prison in Rome in which he, he wrote the letter to the Philippians. And we have this incredible pastoral, uh, warm letter to the church there. Uh, the interesting thing is about this actually is that um, uh, not only is it the encouraging tone uh, while he's in prison, when he could be moaning about his own life, which he doesn't, um, the church in Philippi did have its problems, and we'll come on to that later, but he doesn't, he doesn't go straight in and slam them for the problems. Actually, it's just a grace-filled, joy-filled um, pastoral approach to the church. And it's just laced with encouragement, which we're going to learn plenty of lessons from as we go along. So my job is to take us from uh, verse 3 up to verse 11. Um, so I'm going to read it through. Now I'm just going to share a few simple thoughts and just see what happens as we allow God's word to speak to us one of the one of the key things to do when reading the Bible is to is to pray and then ask God's Holy Spirit to illuminate to us what he really wants to impress upon us as individuals and as a church so I'm going to ask us to pray now uh, let's take a moment where we just center our hearts in order to clam all the business, because some of you are going to be listening to this clutching about the house and some of you drive along in your car or whatever. Um, but let's try and take a moment now just to ask God to be with us. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name you would open our hearts to your word, um, illuminate what it is you want to say through me today to redeem a king and anyone else that's listening. But we pray uh, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whenever we listen to this, that the Spirit of God will be super present now. And as we read your word, it will come alive to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read to you uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you 
with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One thing that strikes me as soon as I start reading this is just how many times he mentions Jesus. Um, literally everything we do should have Jesus running through it. Our thoughts, our, obviously our prayers, our ideas. I put something out on social media this week that, that basically says, you know, the best thing for your mental health, your physical health, your ideas, your thoughts, everything is actually the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it starts continues and ends with the gospel of Jesus Christ you won't actually go far wrong yes there's other things we do in life but but actually the beginning and end point and the middle point uh, for our lives uh, if it's steeped in Jesus Christ you won't go far wrong and this so comes across uh, when Paul writes his letters because he had this powerful encounter and even now you know as he came to Christ he had this powerful encounter and it totally transformed his life and his destiny, and he knew that. And even from prison, he's just clearly uh, overwhelmed with the presence of God. And that's one thing that strikes me. So often when the tough times come, um, we can be consumed with the tough time in our own life. But here you are, Paul in prison. And I don't suppose a Roman prison was all that nice. And his thoughts are for everyone else. That, that's quite special. And I'm sure there's a lesson to be learned there, even when we're facing tough times. If we turn our attentions to Christ and others, it actually will pull you out of the mud and the mire. It will It'll lift your heart and lift your spirits to put your focus and attention away from uh, your own misery, <laughs> but to look to others. I'm not saying we don't need to vent. I'm not saying we shouldn't grieve. I'm not saying we shouldn't be realistic about tough times. But actually, uh, to have a heart and life that's focused towards others is actually a very healthy thing. We see that here uh, with Paul. Let's take this through. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, first thing, uh, he always prays with joy. Uh, this is not happiness, happy feelings. It's not because we watched a comedy film. Uh, joy is an inner state, isn't it? It's, it's a joy that comes from knowing Christ. We can have within us, even in the hardest times, a deep abiding peace that actually all is well. So he prays with joy because he has hope and he knows that God will finish what he starts. Now, he prays with joy, why? Because of their partnership in the gospel. Now, the word used here in the Greek is kanonia. Um, that word is used a number of times in the New Testament. It's also used you know, in Acts when people were sharing their possessions. They, they lived in commonness together. Um, what we do know about the Philippians is that um, 
Lydia who came to Christ, first of all, she was probably quite wealthy. Um, though, though there were a handful of converts, they, they, some of them had means. And we know from other parts of the Bible that the people in Philippians were partnering in the gospel financially, not just in sharing their faith. And I think what Paul's saying, he prays with joy because they are, they are financially and materially funding the cause of the gospel. And that is one of the reasons why he prays in joy. And he's confident they're going to keep going at it and they're going to complete the good work uh, that they started. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, two things here. Uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, it says in the Bible. Um, Paul here is particularly commending those who are partners in the gospel. Now, you'll know that our church, particularly if you ever came to a Sunday back when we used to be able to do that that we didn't really take an offering we had a box uh, one of our members John Boston built that we kept in the corner and there was uh, some leaflets on giving but we didn't take offerings up every week uh, we didn't want to put pressure on people when we first started we we, we uh, sent a couple of emails here and there and when we were looking at purchasing a building we, we uh, made our financial needs known um, but what I would say is this if you're in on this gospel mission to make Jesus known, if you're in partnership with us, that is not just turning up to things, it's also financing the mission. And we, we've very rarely done any teaching on giving, but here it just comes out. He prays with joy because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And it was actually Canonia. They were sharing their possessions and their wealth and their finances. They were funding gospel mission. Um, if you're part of RK, if you want to be part of RK, um, that comes from being partners in the gospel in terms of uh, small groups, uh, being involved in mission, helping us uh, with anything we're doing that's outward facing, sharing our faith with our friends. Being a partner in the gospel could be being a godly person in your job and making Jesus known. It's not, not necessarily about the church, making your faith known. Um, actually ultimately it doesn't matter what church you go to does it what matters is that people find christ and that their destinies are secure it was never about bums on seats it's not about building redeemer king it's about building the kingdom of god and your partnership in the gospel if you're part of our church or any church is actually a beautiful and precious thing being someone who shares their faith lives their faith makes jesus known is is a beautiful and precious thing that is being a partner in the gospel but also being a partner in the gospel is funding gospel mission the more money that we're able to channel into the gospel means more outcomes simple as that more people able to be helped uh, more homeless people more poverty projects more gospel projects more courses more advertising more letting jesus uh, making jesus known to people who don't know him uh, more ability to staff different projects it's as simple as that. Uh, in this monetary systems that we have, the more money we use, the more people we can reach. So if you are a partner in the gospel, it's not just sharing your faith and living your faith, it's also funding gospel mission. And maybe that's something uh, to be thinking about. Wherever you're listening to this, are you a financial contributor to the work of God's kingdom? I'm, I'm not just saying that, I'm saying it because it's coming out of the word that's actually what it was that's what that word was in the greek it's he prays with joy because of their partnership in the gospel but what he's also confident is that god will finish 
the work that he started. And one of the constant things I've been saying over the years, one of the things I keep impressing to people is, God always finishes what he starts. And I've said this many times uh, to you at Redeemer King, the work that he started in you, the work of faith he started in you, he will complete. It may be you've been derailed. It may be the pandemic set you back. It may be some of your hope is extinguished at the moment. It may be you are clinging on with your fingernails. But I do want to say this. It is clear to me in scripture and the story of many people in the Bible that God always finishes what he starts. It may be you had a dream, a vision, a passion to do something and you've been derailed. All you need to do, dust yourself off, stand up, start moving forward again. God will finish what he starts. You may be listening to this and think, there's this thing that I always wanted to do for God. And I just feel like I've been put on a shelf where it can't happen now, not true. He will bring to completion Paul is confident of this, I'm confident of this, that God will finish the work that he started. It is right for me to feel this way, it says in verse 7, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more, in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. What is this love that he talks about here? He prays with joy because of their partnership. He's confident that the work will be continued. He keeps them in their hearts. He has affection for them in Christ. But this is his prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. The love that is spoken about here is agape love. That's a verb, it's a doing word. There's different types of love in the Greek language. But the love here is agape love that's an unconditional selfless love it's not love because it makes you feel good it's not love because you watched a rom-com it's not love because you had a you know you had a romantic moment <laughs> it's not that this is love that spills out of knowing Christ and it's love that spills out and does things even if you don't feel good in demonstrating that love. It's the love that helps you to do kind and good and loving things to people who are not very lovable. It's love demonstrated when it's not being reciprocated. It's the love that drives people to help the poor 
and the homeless and the dispossessed and the marginalised. It's the love that helps you to keep loving people even though they hurt you back. In some of my early days of planting churches in deprived areas, we would often help people to the best of our ability and just get moaned at. I remember once, um, it's a story I've told before to the church, uh, but some time ago, but I remember once Karen and I, um, I'm not saying this to, to virtue signal, I'm just telling you the story. We, we found out that someone had some financial needs and uh, we were just about to go on a little caravan holiday, but someone had some acute financial needs and um, we uh, we helped them. But I said I couldn't get hold of the money for a couple of days and um, the person that we were trying to help literally just phoned me up and had a right go at me down the phone because I couldn't get the money for a couple of days and they didn't know that we were giving up our holiday and all sorts. And they probably had a go at me. It was to help someone buy a road tax and various other things. And um, I felt, I was really just like chipped up about it. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm giving up my holiday and you are moaning at me. And I felt this little whisper from the Holy Spirit. I told you to give the money. I didn't ask you to enjoy giving the money. I didn't say I was going to bless you because you gave the money. It's just the right thing to help this family. I was like, oh. I remember another time we, we helped another family anonymously that were in uh, great need. And... Um, they turned out to be a family that just did nothing but complain about me and they never knew that I'd actually uh, given substantial money to help them. <laughs> and um, they, they caused uh, me at the time quite a lot of heartache and grief in uh, unreasonable complaints and unjust actions and all sorts of stuff many years ago. Many years ago when I was in uh, Essex. And I remember then thinking, this loving people stuff just hurts. Look, agape love, the love that serves and helps people is done without earthly reward. And sometimes people will moan at you even though you help them. Sometimes the people you've helped will moan at you even though they don't know, they don't know it. Maybe it was you to help them because it was anonymous. God sees it. He knows your heart, and actually that's all that matters. And ultimately our role model is Christ, who died on a cross for you. And many times, even in our daily lives, we ignore him, or moan and complain at him, and he still died for you. That is sacrificial love, it is done without promise of earthly reward. But we do it because it's right. And I want our church to be unleashed with that kind of love. The sacrificial doing love for the most hurting, vulnerable and broken people, rich or poor, but especially the poor, done without reward in this earthly life maybe. But we do it because it's right, because Christ's love has touched 
us. The gospel has changed our lives. So therefore we love sacrificially, potentially without reward, even though it hurts. So he prays with joy because they're partnering in the gospel. They're living and sharing their faith and funding gospel ministry. He is confident that the work of grace that starts in their lives will be completed as I'm confident that the work of God started in your life will be completed if we can help with that let us know he has this overflow of love for them and affection even though he is in chains and his prayer is that their sacrificial love may abound more and more and in, in knowledge and depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best and pure and be blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And what more do we want in our church and in our lives than to be fruitful for Jesus Christ? I say this often. One day you will die. So will I. So will your family members, your friends. Some of you have suffered bereavement and loss. And you'll know the reality of this acutely. One day we'll kneel before Jesus after we've breathed our last breath and he'll welcome us to paradise. On that day, wouldn't it be so good to know that we have used everything that God has placed in our hands, gifts, talents, material wealth, whatever is placed in our hands, whether we are rich or poor, whatever is placed in our hands, we have used it to the best of our ability to forward the gospel and to participate in building God's kingdom and that we have led fruitful lives for him. Look outside of our own lives to the needs of others, be full of joy, partner in the gospel, live out a life of sacrificial love, be fruitful for the glory and praise of God. Amen.